Iowa everywhere. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber. To improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Live from the Channel Seed Studios, Channel Seed Studios. this is Jared and Jabo and Iowa, Iowa Everywhere. Everywhere. Jared Stansberry, Jared Stansberry, Jordan Bohannon, Jordan Bohannon, together on Iowa Everywhere. Channel Seed, Seedsmanship at Work. Welcome to the podcast, Channel Seed Studios on Iowa Everywhere. What's up, Jordan Bohannon? Hi, Jared Stansberry. What's going on? You know, just living life. Been up and back from Western Iowa. You know, Part of me is starting to like traveling, man. I'm I'm liking being on the road. I'm liking driving through these small towns, appreciating the state of Iowa. The state of Iowa has a lot to offer. I'm a, I'm a big fan. You're going to Northwest Iowa all the time, right? Yeah. Yep. One of these days, we'll have to get you down to Southwest Iowa. That's God's country. That's the real. That's uh, that's the real place you need to be. See the difference between you don't appreciate the whole state yet. I'm I don't discriminate. I appreciate I appreciate every town, every every environment. Every time I'm driving by, I I just I just get gaze the fuck, and... get the fuck out of here. Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. Call me when you've covered eight man in class A high school football before, and then we'll talk about who has an appreciation for the small towns in the state of Iowa. Tell me, yeah, let me know when you're out there doing the <laughs> doing the dirty work for uh, covering Murray football as they beat. Uh, Guthrie Center, seventy to nothing, or something like that, and tell me about your appreciation for small towns, please. So, so you tell should me more. Great, so you yeah, should, tell me more. So you should more. have great appreciation then. Tell me more about it. Yeah, well, that yeah. sounds like a blast to me on a Friday night, heading there and watching a seventy to zero football game. Big came from the mean streets of Cedar Rapids, trying to tell me who came no, from a town no, of five thousand no, people. No. Wait, wait, no. No, Marion, Mean Streets of no. Marion. Sorry, Marian. thank you. Yeah. Yes, Cedar Rapids is a big city. Marion's uh, a small town. You came from the Mean Streets of Marion. You're out here trying to tell me about having appreciation for the small towns. You sound you sound like my girlfriend right now. I'm just saying until uh, until you've 
experienced uh, Fremont Mills versus East Mills eight-man football, then you can't tell me about anything about these small towns. Fair enough. Fair enough. Maybe you ever been uh, to an eight-man high school football game before? I don't think I have. That's a different breed, dude. That's a whole different type of deal. I would love to. Yeah, I would love to see small town high school players compete. I think it'd be it'd be fun. It's uh the thing that's incredible about that is because it's much more like basketball, where if you have like one or two guys, you can you can really do something. You yeah. know, but like if you most got of, one incredible guy, you can win the state championship. Right, but I feel like most of those guys, if they are incredible, they I feel like they transfer out. Do they not? Or they I mean, it depends there? on you know, it depends on the guy. I don't know if you remember. Uh, uh, Nate Meyer, who played football at Iowa, was yeah. a was a defensive end on their 2015 team. He went to Fremont Mills, which is down by Clarinda, where I'm from. Me and him competed against each other all growing up and everything. And uh, they played eight man. Um, he scored. I want to score. He say he scored 65 touchdowns his senior year of high school. 65. Uh, yeah, 65 touchdowns his senior year. Okay. They won the state championship game. Listen to this. They won the state championship game his senior year, 80 to nothing. The oh. state championship game. Oh, bad seating. Yeah. <laughs> well, they played the team that was like number two. They played them in like the, uh, in whatever the quarterfinals were, they were in the same district. They had to play against each other twice and they beat, and they beat them like 70 to 63 or something like that. And then the teams that they played at the dome, they just killed them. Like they're just way, way better than them. So it's like, it does happen, you know, and that team probably had six or seven guys that could have played college football on it. And yeah. you, and when you only need eight and you got six or seven that are going to play college football, you're going to win the state championship. You know, there's some good players that can that are in small town, Iowa city in towns. I feel like though, like I remember playing against guys, AAU, like when we played like local tournaments when I was younger and we'd go to these smaller towns there's some like really good players that you never heard of that mm -hmm. either they grew way early and they're, they are just very skilled or later on, even when we played um, towards high school, I was like, damn, like we go to these team camps, like this kid's really, really good, but no one yeah. heard of him because he's a small town kid. Well, and that's where, you know, like if I was uh, obviously I, when I played at, at Simpson, like the thing that I walked away from that experience feeling was that if you were in the, now it's called the American Rivers Conference, but at the time the Iowa Conference, if you're in that league and you want to be good, like you go all in on recruiting the guys that are the best players in 1A, 2A, and 3A. And you don't even try to recruit anybody from 4A. And you say, we're going to go get, like you go to the state tournament and you say, I'm going to get the best guys on the best teams in class 2A, you know? And uh, then, because then you're guaranteed to be bringing in guys, one, that have been on teams that have won. You know, uh, so, you know, guys that understand what it takes to be able to win. And two, they're going to be guys that have that chip on their shoulder that feel like they were overlooked, you know? And, uh, like, I feel like that's how you win a league like that. Now at the division three level is by going hard on those things. And like, when I was at Simpson, you know, we would work really hard to recruit in like Chicago, Kansas city, Arizona, places like that. And like, they would bring in those kinds of guys and it just, and then they would all come together and mesh. Plus you would have the guys from small town, Iowa, and it just like really wouldn't work out very well. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's probably the most untalked about 
facet of college athletics, Jared, like from, from NAIA all the way up to division one, the amount of like walks of life, the difference of walks of life that come together on one team. Again, that's what makes sports so great. That's why I fell in love with the game of basketball because you meet so many incredible people. But yeah, you think about that, like uh, like Simpson or a, a smaller school like that, the wide variety, it's even sometimes more wide, wider a variety than like an Iowa or an Iowa State. Like mm-hmm. it's it's insane the amount of walks of life, different kinds of people they bring in. I think that's that's so cool though. I had teammates that played, like I had a teammate that played like Chicago Public League, you know, uh, high school basketball. And like at the time that like Derrick Rose was in high school, you know, and uh, guys that, like I said, play, came from Arizona, that it's like, what are you doing at Simpson College in Iowa when you came from Arizona, you know? Yeah. And, but that's like, it was cool. And I, it's really fun to watch those guys now, like to see them on Facebook and things like that, see what they're doing and, you know, see that they're, they're doing well. And like, one of them is a trainer down in Arizona. He, he works with professional players and things like that. And, uh, like, it's cool to see all that kind of stuff, but it's like, if I was a coach, I would not have that approach of like pulling in guys from all over the place. I'd be like, I'm going to own the state of Iowa. I'm going to get the best guys from around here, you know, cause they're going to bring in that, like, Cause I just know what the makeup of those kids that come from those small schools in, in Iowa are because it's so hard for them to be able to get recruited consistently. I feel like recruiting has been like kind of obsolete ever since the creation of, I guess the expansion of AAU circuits. Like mm-hmm. imagine like back in the day, like in the nineties, early two thousands, I remember like my oldest brother playing and when he was getting recruited, um, by Wisconsin, the bigger school is like how much like awesome it was to see because it was just so rare for an Iowa kid like that to happen. And it's like these coaches that were on the recruiting trail, it's almost like you find your diamond in the rough, like the, like the old school days. Like imagine like coming back, you're like a 70 year old assistant coach. And you're like, coach, I got this kid. I found out in mm-hmm. Eastern Iowa, like no one's ever seen him before because how do you see these kids? Like back in the nineties and two thousands, there's right. nothing to, to show how good they were. You had to actually go there and watch and play. I think that's what made recruiting so special. It's so different nowadays. Well, and that's like, for me, I couldn't play. If I wanted to play AAU, you either had to drive to Omaha multiple times a week, or you had to be willing to drive to Des Moines multiple Mm -hmm. times a week. And to Des Moines, it was two hours to Omaha. It's an hour. And for me, it was like, I just, I was running track. I was playing baseball. I was doing all kinds of other stuff like that. And time investment just wasn't really possible for me with what I was doing at that time in high school. So it's like, you didn't even have the option to play AAU, you know, you hardly even had the the opportunity. And so for me, the way that I had to get recruited was by going to camps and you would go to camps and you would hope that just whoever would see you at this camp would communicate with somebody else. And like, that's how the coaches at Simpson found out about me is that, uh, I went to a camp at Nebraska and there was a guy who used to be the coach at Roosevelt high school in Des Moines who contacted the coaches at Simpson and said, Hey, have you heard about this guy? And I was like already on their radar, but he was like, no, you guys got to go and, and recruit this guy. And then that's like how it all happened, you know? And from there you just like the word of mouth kind of starts to, to build up. But I just imagine that like, that's the fun part. You know, I think about my guy Stro, who's still the assistant coach at Simpson is one of my, one of my good friends is one of my, one of my guys will always be one of my guys. Uh, like I think about the satisfaction that he gets from 
like finding someone like that, you know, that nobody else knows about, but you can sit there and you can see, it's like, Oh, this guy has something, you know, and knowing that you can help them get to where they want to go, even though they might have to take a, you know, a longer road than what they necessarily would ever want to, or most people would want to. Yeah. And I feel like AAU kind of the expansion of you has kind of like, it's almost felt like it's a, another high school sport now you know what i'm saying like because it's so time demanding and you take so much away from the kid in the summer then especially in all their summer years growing up there's like i don't know part of me wishes AU didn't get as big as it did because it because i love like being in my high school town and playing local sports like playing golf dude like, that was my favorite thing ever looking back like that's one of my favorite memories my life like going going back in time and thinking about during my summers i was preparing for golf in, in the summer uh late summer uh my senior year when i didn't have to play au that year um towards the, like august area and i was like dude that was so much fun not having so much worries and feel like where you're going that weekend and how far you're traveling and all this stuff because man that, that gets like so time demanding and draining on the kid i feel like and you just what, what kid's going to want to go out go back to their hometown and want to play a different sport after traveling their whole summer? Like it's, I feel like it's really rare, really rare now. Well, and I feel like the, the way AAU is now, it can almost like, I, I think back to what, when I would go to those camps or go and do anything like that, it would be fun to go and do that, you know, and play with new people and get to meet new people and play against all kinds of new people and find out a good, about good hoopers in Omaha or like wherever that it might be that you're going to this camp. But I would always be like, man, but I look forward to just going back and playing with my friends again. Yeah. You know? And the AAU section of things has it like, it takes away from that where you just get to go have fun and play with your friends. You know, that's what I feel like is it hurts a little bit is that you kind of it like professionalizes everything really, really early. You know, oh, it like becomes enough. less about like, uh, oh, I'm just going out to play this game with my homies and more about I'm out here trying to work to try and get this scholarship offer. And you're putting that pressure on people at, you know, eight years old out there playing whatever, you know, eight you or whatever in uh, playing 40 games in a summer, you know, and it's just crazy. All right. It, we got to let kids be kids sometimes, you know? Yeah. Dude, I remember an AAU game. We played the Iowa barnstormers in Minneapolis, dude. And we were up all night. Like this was the great part of AAU. Like I actually had a lot of great friends on my team with the Martin brothers, um, team. Um, and we were up at like, until like four thirty in the morning, just doing like kid shit, like just so random stuff in the hotel room. And we had an eight a.m. game, and we we had to get up like in two hours. Dude, I remember walking in, and I was like a sophomore in high school. Like I, I didn't know like how important sleep was back then. Yeah. Like I didn't realize like if I got eight hours, how much more prepared I would have been. But we played an eight a.m. game against Iowa Barnstormers, and we were just fried. Like we had no idea. Like, cause we have no lack of sleep. Like no one slept in the, in the uh, on our team. And then we had a turnaround literally 30 minutes later. It was like 30 minutes later, Jared. We played at like 930. And then we played at like 12 and probably, o'clock. And you're probably we playing did. against like the Wisconsin playground warriors yes. or something like that, you know? And like, we're sleeping on the sidelines, like, 
we have a game in 15 minutes. If I sleep, yeah. if I sleep 15 minutes before a, a G League game or a college basketball game back in the day, dude, I would have been awful. I would have been cut off my team right away. Uh, when we went to the state tournament, uh, my we stayed at a hotel the whole week, uh, and you know, like we were going to either way, but obviously we kept winning, so it's like we just kept staying up there and. Uh, I slept on a floor on the floor of our hotel room the whole week at the state tournament (laughs) and never thought twice about it. You know, I was never once like, yeah, we're out here trying to win a state championship and I'm sleeping on the floor of a hotel room instead of getting a roll away. Or like, I was just like, yeah, I'm just cool with sleeping on the floor. You know, we had to play the state constellation game at 10 o'clock on Friday or whatever it was in the morning. And, uh, I, we lost in overtime in the semifinals. And I remember my whole team that night, like everybody's just off doing their own thing. You know, <laughs> like our girlfriend, like people's girlfriends are staying in the hotel. Like everybody's off being a menace, you know, doing high school senior type of things when you're staying in a hotel by yourself without your parents. Yeah. And, uh, uh, guys are staying up until two o'clock in the morning and all this stuff like that. And we wake up the next morning and I was convinced I was like, we're getting our asses kicked today. Like there is no way, no way in hell that we are winning this game. And we ended up playing pretty well. And actually we kind of kicked the shit out of the team that we played, but it was like, I just remember sitting there thinking, I was like, there's no way we're going to play well. I'm on day five of sleeping on a hotel room floor. (laughs) We were, we had guys that were up in their girlfriend's room until two o'clock in the morning last night. I was like, man, we're going to be in trouble, but no, that's just high school, dude. It's just what, what you do. You know, those state consolation games were, I remember oldest brother playing against, uh, I want to say it was Waterloo, Waterloo East, and oh, I forgot what this guy's name was on Waterloo East. But him and my brother went back and forth, and it was like it was literally just a one-on-one game because no one, no one really cared, and no right. one was in the arena. Like no one cares about the constellation game, and they both had like forty-five. Like it was the most insane game ever. But no one was passing the ball. Like they were just chucking up threes the whole game. I'm like, why? Why are we here? And I'm sure they did the same shit that you guys did. They all yeah. stayed up until three in the morning yeah yeah it was crazy and it was just looking back on it now like you can tell that the team that we played we played mfl marmac and they had been undefeated going into the state tournament lost got killed in the semifinals, and then had to play us in the consolation game and you can just like if you watch the game now like you can just see it's like those guys didn't give a shit they had no care in the world to be there that day you know yeah. whereas like for us it's like clarend had never won a state tournament game before that week you know so it was like even though we were all dicking around it was still like you know, we took it serious. It's like, this is important to us, you know? Mm-hmm. And those guys were just like, nah, we're just ready to go home. We're over it. It's just, it is what it is. That's the dynamic that you get in those consolation games where one team usually really wants to be there. Cause it's like important to their town. And then the other team couldn't give a shit less. Yeah. I feel like you brought up uh, something that's interesting. I, I, we talked about, I'm doing that camp in Alta and I've mm-hmm. been talking to uh, Scott Randall, the, the basketball coach there. And it's funny, like he's a extremely, extremely great guy. Every, we've had great interactions on the phone and I'm excited to meet him, but it's funny. Like the dynamic, I feel like, cause I, I did a couple, uh, like speaking engagements with uh, MLC F- Floyd, um, in orange city. And you do that? that was last summer. Oh, okay. Um, I was say my, uh, my high school coach is the, is like their JV coach now, I think. Oh, nice. I probably yeah. met him when I was up there. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah. But yeah, they're great guys up in MLC Florida as well. And I spent 
kind of goes along with what I was saying about Alta. I feel like there's like a strong, there's such a strong passion and um, enthusiasm for their job and wanting these kids to excel at a next, I'm not saying like 4A is not the same way, but there's like even more of a different level that these coaches have for these kids and wanting them to excel at the next level of their life. And I think it's so cool to like experience. Like I'm glad I, I have been doing these stuffs in the summer to experience this because man, it's, it's cool to see like these, you actually have a person in your life that wants you to do good in your next chapter. Like that's so rare nowadays. Well, I think the reality is that those coaches understand that for a lot of guys, to get out of those small towns, like this is their opportunity, you know, and this is how they can do it. And, you know, I believe me, I see it all the time. I've got all my friends, like people that I, I grew up with that you sit there and it's like that they could have done all kinds of things. And then they never really even hardly left town, you know, because it was just like never had opportunities or like they didn't work to go and, you know, get the opportunities they had or whatever it may be. And then all of a sudden it's been 10, 12 years. And like, you haven't really done anything, you know? And I think that's what those coaches understand is that they know it's like, if I can get this guy really excited in basketball, he doesn't even understand what, where this could take him of like, it gets you out of here. It gets you into new scenarios. It gets you around new people and like all the experiences that you can have from the game of basketball, just because of this thing that you decided to like put some work into when you were 14, you know? And, uh, that's why I love those high school coaches so much is because they're just, they want to make sure that they see those kids go and have success. And it's not really that often about, you know, wins and losses and things like that. It's about setting them up to, you know, feel like they one like they accomplished something and two, like they feel like they're set up to go and accomplish something in the future uh, because of their experience that they had playing for you. Yeah. And all those kids are such good kids, man. I feel like I've, I've never had a bad experience meeting a high school kid from a small town. Like they're very well-spoken they know, um, like how to hold a conversation. They understand like the, I feel like they understand the meaning of a life as weird as that sounds like they're okay. Even if they don't make it to the next level that, okay, I want to provide for my family. I want to do all these great things. They have great morals. And I don't know, man, I, I, I just really appreciate how, how compassionate some of these coaches are in small towns because they, I don't think they get enough credit as well too, because of how, how much bigger some of these schools are getting in Iowa, like Waukee, like Limar, my high school. And there's so much wrapped around, like, I feel like Eagle wise now in a lot of sports that it gets lost and what the real meaning is to be a coach in high school. And that is to help the kid grow as a person and as, as a player, something that is, a, I definitely think is a lost art. So I don't know. Well, I, I, uh, I can tell you how much I, it means I'm sure to those kids to have you going and doing those camps and things like that. And just being around you, because I know like we had a guy named, uh, Ryan Goodson come mm. Ryan was, a is a, a trainer, you know, has yeah. been around the block is, uh, he worked with drew Hanlon with pure sweat and all that kind of yeah. stuff and has done a bunch of camps. Good ass guy, like awesome dude. And, uh, Corey Harris was working with him doing stuff. And like, they came and did a camp in Clarinda 
and did it two or three years in a row. And I like, that's still stuff that I think about, you know, yeah. and that was over 10 years ago, but it was like, just thinking about like what it meant for us to have that guy come and work with us and for him to take interest in you and for him to be like, Oh, I can see things in you guys and like help bring that out. Like that means a lot to people, you know, because you don't like, again, we just, like you just don't get that many opportunities coming from those small towns to do things like that, you know, where you have people that are around that are going to come to you that are going to come and they're going to focus on pouring their time into you, their time and their effort and their knowledge. And like that, that's powerful, you know, yeah. for, for people who don't get that kind of stuff very often. It's definitely lost. And every, every time I talk about this now, I think about, uh, have you ever heard of uh, the name coach Fleming legendary uh, high school basketball coach in Iowa? At? In Iowa. Fleming, um, I mean, yeah, I, I, I can't, th- I can't remember the high school coach he coached at, but he was there for like 30 plus years um just a legend um he and he passed away uh my junior year in college but i went to this point guard academy like he held these point guard academy camps and uh i don't think it was on it was on grand views campus so it was at their gym i believe i want to say um and just like a small town guy he brings in all these guys that like he's old right so a lot of it was very like old school, like teaching. Like we, we show up, I not only did this one year, it was my freshman year and we'd show up and he'd give everyone a packet right when we got to the, um, point guard Academy. And it's probably like 30 pages long and has like all these things. I still have it in my room over here and it has all these things he wants us to know as being a point guard. Right. And it's mm-hmm. like, all these great sayings, like all these great quotes, all these like very precise things that he believes is like the number one thing to be a great point guard. And dude, when I tell you, like I've been to a lot of camps, a lot of skills camp, a lot of coaches I've met. I tell you what, man, like as, as old school as he was and some of the stuff he did say was crazy just because how old school he was. But bro, that was like one of the most exciting things ever to look back on and appreciate because you have a guy that, I mean, the camp was, I mean, it was some money, but it wasn't anything like to do to make a living off of. Like he was probably retired. Like he didn't, he didn't need to do it, but he did it for so long and truly loved doing it. Like that makes the kids even want to work harder and want to be great. When you have a guy that loves what they're doing, that teaches them. And that was one of my favorite experiences ever as a, as a player to experience that. And it, it was hard, man. One of these drills, Jared, you'll think this is funny. One of these drills he had us do to begin camp was two minutes straight of jumping. So you're jumping nonstop and you just do all these different exercises. And he believed like this was the most important thing to strengthen your calves and like be able to be athletic. Obviously it didn't help me much, but uh, <laughs> he, we would jump two minutes straight, man. It was like the most grueling and tiresome thing I ever done because it was like, you actually want to, you rather die than experience this. It was, it was, it was unbelievable, but. Yeah, it was awesome experience. Did you ever go to uh, Snow Valley camps? Have you heard of those? I have heard, but I've never, I never went. Never had a chance. Oh to man, man, you want to talk about experience, dude? <laughs> it's like going to the army, bro. <laughs> not, not really, but like, it, obviously, like I'm not really saying it's like going to the army, but it's like you're waking up at like five thirty every morning, and you are in the gym every day until midnight, basically. Yeah, you know, and it's like they literally will try to break your will basically as a high school kid at a basketball camp. And they're like, we're going to push you literally as far as you can possibly be pushed. And we're going to see how, uh, how you handle it, you know? 
Do and they still do Snow Valley camps? Yeah, as far as I know. Uh, I, I know they always do one in Waverly. Uh, I went to one in Lincoln um, when I was in high school. Uh, yeah, it looks yeah. like they do. Yep. Uh, the guy that runs it, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Tate's Lock, isn't it? Or he, I know he's affiliated with them. I went uh, to a camp where he was one of the guys that was running it, Tate Slock, who was a coach in the NBA, coached in college for a long time. Oh, uh, I was thinking of someone else. Uh, Don Showalter. Is that Showalter. Thinking I'm thinking of Showalter. And, um, I played with this kid, man. Uh, Schlaba. Or... Schlaba, yes. Schlaba. Yeah. I, know, yeah, I know them pretty well. Really great family. Yeah. Uh, I would highly recommend that to anybody out there that uh, wants to send their kids to a camp. Looks like they're in uh, – there's three of them or one in June, two in July. There's a, a girls camp in July as well. I, Heck yeah. I think that that would be a really good, exp- I still think that's a good experience for anybody out there that wants to, like, if you want to really learn something, you know, like you're not going to go get recruited from that camp probably. Cause it's just like, it's not that kind of camp, but if you just want to go and learn and you want to really like get to, you know, find out if you, how much you really like basketball, snow Valley is the kind of camp that you want to go mm. to you know that's a great way to put it if you want to find out yeah the only way you find out how to love something i feel like is you have to go through shit because of it yeah that is the only way possible yeah you find out how badly you want to play uh when you go to things like that because there's nothing easy about it you know like you're staying in the dorms you're like eating not not very good you're just you're just playing ball all day every day everybody's sore it's like five days you know hell dude it's hell I, I I was gonna go my it was into my junior year I remember just me and my friends were all signed up and we were gonna go and I practically broke my ankle I I wish I would have broke my ankle but I couldn't there's no way I could go so I was kind of yeah. devastated yeah that was that was a cool experience uh, being able to to do that uh, this is none of what we were gonna talk about on the podcast <laughs> yeah. we're thirty minutes in we didn't even. <laughs> We're, we're 30 minutes of the podcast. This is none of what we were going to talk about, but I do need to tell you about hinterland music festival, uh, coming up on August 4th through the 6th down in St. Charles, Iowa, uh, just South of Des Moines, South of Indianola, uh, a little ways. Uh, they're going to have Bonnie Vare, Zach, Bryan, Maggie Rogers. Uh, those are your headliners. They're going to have all kinds of other great acts, uh, coming up, uh, August 4th through the 6th in St. Charles. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. I'm going to try and get out there. Uh, me and my girlfriend are going to try and get out there and, and enjoy some of these shows. Uh, you guys can learn more about music and camping passes uh, right now at hinterlandiowa.com. Uh, these are some uh, some big time acts, man, and uh, and I think everybody, anybody who takes the jump to to go out and do this and and takes the time to go down to St. Charles is going to, you know, they're going to be glad that they did. I I want to go so bad and see Zach Bryan. Like I last time we talked about it last week, I'm going to see him in Sioux Falls. And I'm telling you guys, if you have a chance, you're an Iowa, you're a fan of country music. Zach Bryan is literally like his his music is something that has changed me, like literally as a person. So it's amazing that they offer a headliner like Zach Bryan here and shows how great the state of Iowa is to get these talents because there there are some great headliners that are going to Hinterland. Great headliners. You say it's changed you as a person, and all I can imagine is that you're uh, you'll be at this concert, you know, like at, like a worship <laughs> service. You're at a worship service where you've got your hands up in the air. You're just trying to get closer to God. Yeah, you know? like you're just trying to feel Him. No. Uh, it's just like a spiritual experience for you. It literally would be like 
when I see him in Sioux Falls, that's what I'm going to be like. My girlfriend knows that too. When we're <laughs> like, she knows I am going to be a different person when I, when I first see him. All right. You guys can find out more August 4th through the 6th, hinterlandiowa.com uh, down in St. Charles, August 4th through the 6th. Uh, all right. Should we do uh, recent happenings in NIL or should we do uh, the first 2024 bracketology first? Let's get right to uh, let's get right to the NIL. Let's do it. All right, all right. So today, uh, the SEC is hosting uh, what was called a or what was termed as like a, a mixer for congressional workers and staffers today in Washington D.C. Uh, in hopes of of passing a, some sort of NIL bill uh, through Congress. Uh, Greg Sankey, Nick Saban, all those guys are going to be, uh, be in town trying to, to work their magic to get something done here. Uh, this quote is from, uh, from Greg Sankey on Monday. Uh, he said, quote, there's increasing interest in recognition of the need for congressional engagement to resolve these issues. What's happening at the state level is exactly what we warned about. Our states are making a mess of college athletics. Our states are adopting laws that are not helpful to conduct conference competition and national competition. It emphasizes the need for a national standard so we can protect what's special about college sports at that national competition level. And we'll have a conversation about how we can continue to engage with Congress. Will Congress continue to provide the opportunity for a national solution? It's not necessarily what any of us would have preferred four or five years ago, but it's our current reality. Uh, there are five bills right now, uh, NIL adjacent bill proposals under discussion at various levels uh, of the federal government. Uh, all of them protecting the ability to go into NIL. We can talk about each of those individual bills and some of the, the different pieces of them all. But uh, first thoughts on Greg Sankey and the boys loading up and heading to heading to DC. I feel like this is becoming when I would do something the wrong way. So many times like coach McCaffrey would always say like anyone on the team, what's the definition of insanity? What's the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over and expecting Different result, right? Yeah, yeah. Or the same, yeah, like different. Um, I feel like they're doing the same thing here. Mm -hmm. Like, how many times are we gonna go and cry to Congress members about NIL and expect them to fix it? How many times? And they keep doing it. They keep believing. First off, it is almost virtually it is almost physically impossible for an nil bill to get through congress to get to on president's desk it is you can hardly get through the committees yeah they hardly get through the subcommittee yeah it is impossible and i've done it i've done it numerous times of trying to pass a bill and lobby it and get it through it is impossible and the crazy thing is i'm a i'm young still i would like to consider myself young these guys are old. They've experienced college football. They know what the environment is like in Congress. They know what the environment is like in college athletics. Why are you going to Congress to want to fix this? Go to the people that are running the damn organization, and that's the NCA. Go to them. You're speak you continue to back them and speak on their behalf and saying, oh, well, they're not getting anything done. We can't get anything done in college because it's too hard. It's not hard. It is not hard. You don't need Congress. And the funny thing is that hardly any of this stuff comes with like antitrust exemptions or any of those kinds of things. So it just like, it's, 
it's like, well, I don't understand what you need to be done from these people that can't be done by you guys. Yeah. You know, they're, they're yeah. crying because a lot of these coaches are crying because they know where college athletics is headed, right? They know employment status is coming. It is right around the corner. People that are following the NLRB complaint with USC and those schools in California know that California is damn close to employment status for these college athletes. And there's going to be payment to these players, I would imagine, within the year or so. And that's going to change the whole landscape of college athletics more than NIL did. But they're so worried about NIL still, right? Because they think they can reverse it. And therefore the whole thing's going to just going to reverse back to the old model. That's what these college coaches are thinking in their head. But how insane is that? We go back to the definition of insanity. How insane are these coaches that continue to do the same thing and expecting it's going to be a different result. Like they're, they're not going to change anything. They're not, if anything, they're going to change NIL to be better or more strongly, um, restrictive for the player right they're gonna they're gonna help the player at this point especially with the 9-0 supreme court case like are these coaches not are they that oblivious jared that they didn't see what the supreme court even the nca are they that oblivious they didn't see what the nca said in in the austin case like how can you sit there and see these arguments by the judges and be like okay we're going to dc and we're gonna pass this <laughs> like <laughs> I just, I just don't think that the people in DC are going to feel bad for them. Like what they think that they are, you know, like by and large, I mean, you might, you know, I think we all know you can get a guy like Tommy Tupperville to jump onto their side. Tommy Tupperville's lived these problems that these coaches have. He is one of them, you know, even if he, you know, is doing something else now, he's still one of these guys. So it's like, of course he's going to side with them, but the majority of these people are going to look at this and they're going to say, this is a waste of our time. What are we doing this for? You know, and unless you want to really start to introduce some sweeping things that I don't think that they want to be introduced, you know? Yeah. And it would be great. They don't get me wrong. Like uh, we've tried to pass a couple of NIA bills. We still have some in lingo right now. Senator Booker has been great with uh, my organization I've been working with. He's been great. Right. They, they've been trying to get a bill on the floor through some through committee, but I know it's not possible. It's not possible. Jay Billis has been trying to do it for decades for decades it's not happening the only way it's going to happen is nca do something about it but they're so tied to the nca nothing they're not gonna not, nothing's gonna happen do you Literally have cory booker's phone number do you have cory booker's well, I, phone no, number? i don't i have, no. I have a, some of his i have his That'd office cool. like the people that work in his office yeah that would have been cool i was just i was just wondering He's a, he's a great hoping man. He was your, he was hoping he was your close personal friend. <laughs> Have him on the pod. We probably could. I could I could uh, work some strings and get him on here. I feel like I would need to wear a suit, like a shirt and tie. Oh, to, dude. To interview have, a senator. When when we met with uh, Mark Emmer for the um, passage of NIO bill, and we had the, like a press conference after on via Zoom because it was like kind of during the COVID era. Yeah. And. Cory Booker and Blumenthal, and uh, there's another senator. I'm forgetting her name. Uh, Cantwell, I think I believe it was Cantwell. And they all show up, and I'm like, and I'm thinking in my head before I'm like, dude. And there's all these like journalists, like national reporters. I'm like, I'm wearing like literally just an Iowa polo. I'm like, I feel like such a bum right now. <laughs> dude, what am I doing? 
what am I doing? All of a sudden, I'm in like a press conference answering questions alongside uh, elected government officials. It was literally that moment. Like you, you know those like dreams. You wake up and you're like, please don't be real. Please don't be real. I felt like I was like in having. I was having those like. It's like in uh, in the office when Michael Scott has to go out with the Dunder Mifflin Board of Trustees <laughs> to answer to the investors. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're like, all their, all of them are walking out. They're all serious. Like, they know what's coming for them. And then you walk out, and you have, like, no idea what's going on. You're just like, you're like, what am I doing up here all of a sudden? Really? That's, that's what it felt like. But I don't know. To go back to your point, I think, I think that SEC is still scrambling. They want... They want something to be done and they're trying to, they're picking and choosing their senators, right? Like to, uh, like the Senator you mentioned, like, obviously he's going to side with some of these coaches because he's been, he's been, he's, he knows what that's like. Right. Yeah. But at the end of the day, there's countless numerous, the majority of senators and representatives aren't gonna want to touch this thing. Right. Like they have other things to worry about. Well, yeah, that was, I thought this quote was interesting from, uh, from Ted Carter, who is the president, who's the president of uh, the University of Nebraska systems. Uh, he said, quote, if Congress becomes involved, we've lost. I feel for those who serve at that level, their thankless jobs, college athletics should not be part of their portfolio. Yep. 100% agree. But we've gotten to this point because NCAA. Because NCAA the NCAA double A just buried their head in the sand and like, they're like, we're yeah. not going to do anything. So now that's where, like, I do kind of feel for the SEC because I think that the SEC is looking for some uniformity because the states in the SEC keep passing laws and doing and making it to where everything is different, you know? So like, I can, I can appreciate that because I do think they're trying to do the right thing for college athletics to create some level of uniformity. I just don't think that these are the people that you need to be going to, to do it. Absolutely. No. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. There's this is probably their last resort. Like you're probably right. Like they have no other options at this point because NCA has been so blindfolded. Like they put a blindfold on and they're walking around. That's literally, I feel, that's, I, I feel like that's what their, their administrative office is doing. They all have blindfolds on and they're all walking around asking what, what the hell should we do? That's what I'll, I'll be honest. I'm not sure that some of these laws that the States are passing and things like that. I know that they think they're being helpful, but I'm not completely sure that they are you know? Right. Like right. I, I think that there's that, and that's what, you know, I can't, we kind of talked about this last week. It, it has stopped being about protecting the student athletes and started to be about protecting the schools and protecting the competitive elements for those individual schools and not about what it's supposed to be. Exactly. And that, and that to me is the concerning part is that it's like, okay, this started out with good intentions. Now we're doing too much everybody needs to slow down here a little bit, but that requires like each individual school going to state senators and things like that and telling them like, yo, y'all need to chill, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just find it hard to believe that that's going to be done because at the end of the day, the schools are the ones that are gaining from it, you know? So it just, uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel bad for Greg Sankey on some level. I'm not one to feel bad for Greg Sankey very often, but I do feel bad for him about this because I think that he's fighting a really hard battle, uh, when it comes to these things because of the comp, because of how closely and tied these things are with these Southern States and how important it is to these people that their school is able to have competitive advantages based on what they're able to do. 
Right. And like what, what, like this is like became to the, the fabric of college athletics, right? Like this is why NCA has become so corrupt. Not only are they a monopoly, but they've had their own pockets trying to be aligned first rather than the people that are making their pockets be aligned. And the, the fact like a lot of these college football coaches are the same way. A lot of these senators and representatives are the same, right? Same way. Right. And they want their schools to be the best they, they can because it provides, you know, we went through the whole microeconomics aspect of it through a state level. Like there's a lot to be had when your sports team is really profiting and having fans come to their game and they're having great seasons. There's a lot to come from that. And all these senators and our representatives want that to happen in each of their own states. So yeah, they're not going to do what's in the best interest of these athletes in some cases. And, mo- and a lot of these cases, yeah, that might be true, but they want their university to be in the best hands possible. They want, they want their coaches to be happy because if their coaches are happy, their pockets are going to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what the answer it just the answer is. It just feels like Congress, isn't it? I don't know. Personally. The answer, the answer is to get whoever the hell is making these board of governors apart, making these decisions as the NCAA, get them the hell out. That's what it comes down to, Jared. The board of governors, the NCA, are the ones that are making all these. And I, I give I give credit to um, the new NCA president, right? Like he's really not doing anything. Like Mark Emmer really didn't do anything. He no. wasn't a guy that had much power. Those guys are are vilified, but they're just figureheads. Yeah, they're 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 political puppets. They get put there and they get stood behind uh, a, a a screen, and they're like, "This is what you're gonna say. This is what you're gonna push. This is what we want our organization to believe in." And they go off in their day, and they do that day in and day out, day in and day out, and they have no opinion on anything. They are just told what to say. These board of governors are the ones that are put in place to make all these decisions. And they have been so bad for the future of college athletics that it's honestly, it's criminal, Jared. I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to use that word lightly. It is criminal for what they've been doing for all this amount of years. You don't want to use that word lightly says the guy who tries to put people in jail all of the time. Okay. Some of that, some of that's reasonable because that is criminal. Because don't make me get started on Courtney Green again. I know you. I was going to say, Courtney Green pauses out. You want to put officials into jail, but you say that you don't throw the name, uh, the word criminal around. I know. And that's why my incarceration list, that people that follow me on Twitter, my incarceration list is like, it's not that long. It's really not that. I haven't added to that in a couple of weeks. It's not a daily occurrence. Have you added the NCAA uh, Board of Governors to it yet? When I put I put the NCA as a whole, so that kind of covers the whole. Oh, okay, okay. NCA. Yeah. Have you put your putter on there yet? Yeah, my putter is on there. Anyone that's wondering, it is on there. It got added about a month, month and a half ago. So I saw your tweet that you that it's feeling like a another new putter round yesterday or something like that. Didn't you just buy a new putter? The worst part. Of, all right, well, first off, Chris, we gotta get this check in for the June. I gotta get another putter. <laughs> 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 we gotta get going dude i need that may check here yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i need that may check man like i just i just bought a new putter i need another one. <laughs> oh man oh, yeah that had me laughing yesterday yeah me laughing yesterday all right uh last thing and then we'll uh we'll we'll wrap this thing up uh joe lenardi has released his first 
I guess I don't know if it's the first one. A recently updated bracketology for uh, 2023-24. We're what, uh, nine months away, I guess, from the NCAA tournament again uh, right now. Uh, Iowa State in the field as a nine seed uh, playing Colorado and Indianapolis. Iowa, or the, uh, the Hawkeyes are the second team in the next four out right now. Um, what, uh, what do you want to know from this bracketology? I'll give you, I'll rapid fire any of these things that you, uh, that you want to hear. Before we get into that, you know how much I hate the next four in and out and stuff. I get so damn confused about that. Like when they're doing the NCAA selection, Mm -hmm. I'm so confused on who's close to making it. Who's not. Okay. So in this, in this situation, Iowa would be the sixth team out. Right. Why do that? Why? (laughs) Like, seriously? I don't know. Ask Joe Lenardi. Might just say next eight out. Like, yeah, that, that would make more sense. First I don't know. Yeah. Or... Well, it's cause it's like the first four and then, you know, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but, uh, I was in the, the next four, uh, where, where, uh, where we got Kansas is Kansas the one seed. Kansas is the number one overall seed. Uh, Joe Lenardi has them playing South Dakota state as a 16 seed. Oh, that is not a good game to have as uh, one, one seed. They don't. He does not have South Dakota State as the automatic qualifier, though, from the Summit League. I'm trying to figure out who he does have as the automatic qualifier from the Summit League. Joe Lenardi decided to cause chaos with this. There, some the Summit League, Jared, is going to be a two bid, bid league this year. With one of them being a 16 seed, apparently. With one of them being a 16 seed. <laughs> guy's losing it. Yeah, who the hell knows? If I would be really surprised if South Dakota State was a 16 seed, I guess. I don't know. That feels kind of disrespectful. I guess I don't know anything about South Dakota State, but it's like that that league doesn't scream 16 seed to me. No. Uh, if, if Kansas had to play South Dakota State in the first round, I feel like Bill Self's going to be heated. He's going to be oh, like, yeah. what, the, what the hell? Why are you doing this to us? Yeah, he might quit if that's the case. Uh, the number one seeds, Kansas is the number one overall seed. Purdue? uh duke and michigan no, state we're not doing this purdue thing again are we what do you mean we're not doing the purdue thing again dude purdue against purdue's they brought against, back the national player of the year purdue such against against the wall right now man with how all the upsets they've had back to back to back years oh hey, my gosh hey what happened the last time a one lost to a 16 what happened the next year true true I'm just saying i'm just saying you know, uh, those guys are going to have a tough off season. They're going to be working hard this off season to get that taste out of their mouth. That's a hard taste to get out of your mouth. I still those can't. guards are going to have experience under their belt. Now Fletcher lawyer, all those guys, like they actually are going to, they're not going to be freshmen anymore. Yeah. I, we, I lost a 12 seed in my last game of my career. And I, that one, that taste will never get out of my mouth. I can't imagine losing a 16 seed. Well, I'm sure the only way to be able to wash that taste out of your mouth is to win the national championship. That's true. But what about like the guys that don't have the opportunity to get the taste out of their mouth? Right. Well, at least you can take solace in the fact that your homies won the national championship without you. <laughs> Hell yeah. What is a, what is a Florida Atlantic at? I'm curious. Florida Atlantic is a four seed. Really? Oh, that one. Yep. Yep. They have every single person back and we're having them as a four seed. Okay. I've seen, uh, they're, they are going to become the group think team of, of 2023, 20. Uh, 24 where like we're everybody is going to be 
it'll like you look at your top 25 for the preseason and if you don't have florida atlantic high enough then you're gonna get uh you're gonna get bullied you know into like saying that you need to have them higher but then if you have them too high you're gonna get bullied into saying that they need to be lower Mm. and so it's like there is no idea of really what range florida atlantic belongs in you could put them anywhere from one to 25 and someone is going to tell you that they're either too high or they're too low. Mm. Good point. I think, I think it's sorry. Tornado alarms are going off Wednesday, <laughs> Wednesday drill. Um, I'd be shocked if Florida Atlantic isn't a top 25 team, the entire. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I would yeah. be absolutely shocked. There's no way, you know, they have to have a good, I hate using the word culture, but you know, they have to have a good like team culture for have every single guy to come back and not, not go to transfer portal or anything. You know, they're going into the American this year. Are they? I didn't know that. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's huge. I can't even think who's still, who's still in the American, who would be they, they could be competing against Isn't Memphis. Wait, conference USA. Is that the American league? No. Yeah, it's what. Well, yeah, it was like conference the whole U- Big East and and the Conference USA. I mean, Cincinnati, Houston. Wait, uh, wait, wait. American UCF Conference USA and American League is the same conference. Well, the Conference USA has some, or American has some of the teams that would have been in what you would probably think of as being like the original Conference USA. Uh, conference USA is still a thing, but I would have to even look up who is in it. I think like middle Tennessee state is in conference USA. Now I thought Memphis was in conference USA. Memphis is in Memphis is in conference USA in like 2006. Oh, oops. Memphis is in, uh, in the American now. Oops. Uh, the current members, <laughs> uh, the current members of the conference USA. Oh, it's not going to be a good move. Is it? are uh uab florida international louisiana tech this is the league that florida atlantic was in before they just left this league they're leaving this league uh louisiana tech yeah they're going to the american conference uh louisiana tech middle tennessee state charlotte north texas i think north texas is leaving too uh yeah okay so like florida atlantic or florida international louisiana tech middle tennessee state utep Western Kentucky, Jacksonville State, Liberty, New Mexico State, Sam Houston, and Kennesaw. And then Florida Atlantic is joining the American along with, I think, UAB, Charlotte, North Texas, Rice, and UTSA. That's a really, 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 really really bad league. uh, The Conference USA? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Those are what we like to call all buy games for power five conferences. <laughs> all right. The soon to be members of the, uh, the soon to be members of the American athletic conference, East Carolina, Memphis, South Florida, SMU, Temple, Tulane, Tulsa, Wichita state, um, future full members, UAB, Florida, Atlantic, Charlotte, North Texas, Rice, and UTSA. Yeah. A lot better conference. Those are really solid schools. Yeah. That should be, that should be a pretty solid league, even without Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF, especially in basketball. Yeah. I don't know that they'll get more than like, you know, one or two bids, but they'll they'll get a couple. 
Does that make, make uh, Florida Atlantic a lot worse or a lot better? I feel like they'll be better tested, but their record might be worse. You know? Mm, I don't know. I could see both sides. I mean, they I went, what, didn't they go like 31 and four this year yeah. or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's it's kind of like Houston, right? Like they don't really play anyone. How good? Like, that's what I I'm interested to see. How good will Houston be this year? You yeah. know, now that they're going to be in the big 12, cause they're, they're going to all of a sudden, yeah. Uh, FAU went 35 and four and 18 and two in the conference USA. It's a good, good record. Listen to this dude. In the 10 years previous to this past year, going to the final four, winning the conference championship, winning the conference tournament, Florida Atlantic had not finished higher than seventh place in the league since 2010. Can we get this head coach a pay raise? No kidding. Dusty May deserves like a lifetime contract in Boca Raton. He deserves like, I don't, I'm sorry, I'm shocked he didn't go to a different school. Like that is actually impressive. And he didn't get any of his players to leave. Are there any other schools that you're interested to know? Oh, uh, Drake is the 12th seed automatic qualifier, uh, in the nice. uh, Des team. Bracketology. Yeah. Des Moines hometown team. Um, who else here? Wisconsin's a seven looking for big 12 teams. How many, uh, how many big 10 teams is, uh, Mr. Jolden already have? He has eight, eight big 10 teams, eight sec teams and seven big 12 teams. I just don't, I don't. I don't see a big 10 getting eight. What did they get? Seven last year. Okay. I think they got, so seven got last year. Northwestern Purdue, Illinois, uh, Indiana, Wisconsin, Michigan state, uh, and Rutgers. Mm. I think that's all of them. Yeah, I mean they'll get they'll get their normal seven for sure. Eights. Oh, in Maryland, yeah, Maryland's in there too. Yeah, I guess I haven't really looked too much on players and teams because the rosters aren't really. I guess they're kind of more set now, but. Yeah, this that's what stinks about this is it's so hard to even guess what the in the like the top twenty five changes every day, basically. Yeah. You know, or the yeah. and I look at the T rank and things like that, the projected T ranks. That stuff changes literally every hour, basically, because there's somebody committing somewhere, you know, mm -hmm. or I saw even um, Simeon Wiltshire, who's a four star recruit, got out of his letter of intent to North Carolina yesterday. The yeah. Dude's probably supposed to report to campus like next week. And now he's looking for a new school, you know, yeah. like Caleb Love just committed to Arizona, like literally yesterday, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Arizona should have a pretty good team. They're uh, what are they? They're uh, I think a two on here. Oh, maybe not. Looks like they're uh, oh, four or five. I don't know. I don't know. A long time from the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Hard. Hard to predict. I've, I think I'm going to ride the take that Purdue is going to win the national championship all year. Yeah. I'm going to ride that one. I hope they do. I think Big Ten's long overdue, but. It's only been, what, 23 years for you guys? Long time. Really long time, Jared long time i guess it depends on if you count maryland maryland did win a title mm. 
not as a member of the Big Ten, though. Yeah, not as a member of the Big Ten. I just don't see anyone beating Kansas this year. I don't even think it's – I'm biased, but (laughs) – You're just – all year you're like, I don't think anybody's beating Kansas. Yeah. That's your only only analysis. You don't have – you don't even watch any other teams. You're just like, there ain't anybody beating Kansas. They're not beating anyone. But then they lose then. Yeah, then they would then they would lose to South Dakota State, sixteen seed South Dakota State, who'd probably have a thirty one and thirty one and three record or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. We'll uh we'll catch up with you again next week. Thanks everybody for listening. Peace. Iowa everywhere.